Welcome to Game of Books with Kathy in South Dakota. That's me. And Christy in South Florida. That's me. We're two newbie writers sharing our take on wine, food, and mystery books. And the authors who write them. Join us for the fun. Hello, Kathy. How's it going up there in South Dakota? Are you getting back to normal yet after your trip (laughs) down here? (laughs) It is going well. Good to talk to you again. I know. Um, Yeah, I'm... I'm learning the lesson, Christy. I need to set aside a day whenever I get back from a trip. And I forget that every single time. Yeah. Well, I definitely did not forget this time, but I still feel a little out of sorts. But I I, uh, relaxed a little bit. I think I read the first day as many of the books that we picked up from Sleuth Fest that I could. I did read all the way home, and that was really enjoyable because we did just hear from so many great authors, and that was really fun. I bet you were tired of having company, though. You had lots of company before I came, and (laughs) you've been having a lot of company. Oh, I love company. Come down anytime. (laughs) It's fine. It's fine. You know I will. As long as I can get a little bit of a break in between to wash sheets, I guess, (laughs) then everything's good. Well, so things are good down there? Yeah, yeah, I'm getting, I'm recovering, like I said, um, you know, the weather is, is actually, we're going to have a little bit of a cold spell down here. We're going to have um, 50s tonight, <laughs> so it's going to be cooler than when you were but here. We're having a warm snap, and, and it's going to uh, be 50s this weekend during the day, so we're almost meeting in the middle. Oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> we'll be the same at temperature. At no, polar we, opposite. We will probably, not at least, not at the yeah, same time. exactly, opposite <laughs> times of the day. That's hilarious. Yeah. Okay, well, I'll call you around um, midnight and let you know that it's 50. And <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that, maybe not. I don't, I don't no. need to know that. <laughs> okay, all right. Well, anyway, you know, um, we had a lot of fun with all our corks and conversation with um, Charles Todd. Um, so we are going to listen to it today, but um, our timing wasn't exactly right. So we need to have our wine today instead of when we were at um, the Corks and Conversations. So, um, Kathy, you picked a really good wine, I think, to go with Charles Todd's conversation. You know, it was perfect. I wasn't quite sure. I wanted to go find something that would go with his historical mysteries, which are wildly popular. And, um, of course, then I went to the store and I saw this lovely label. And it's so beautiful, and it is the 14 Hands Cabernet Sauvignon, and it has these beautiful horses on it. And I thought, tell them why. Perfect. Tell them why the horses are perfect. Well, because Charles Todd's latest novel, The Black Ascot, um, is about a horse race um, in England, a historical horse race. And I thought, yes. how perfect. And he, ta- he even talks about it in in um, the interview. So. Um, we'll be, uh, listening to the, po- the, uh, podcast with Charles Todd while we're drinking this 14 hands Cabernet Sauvignon, but I think we should take a sip now just to, um, check it out. What do you think? I, I'm ready. I'm, I'm ready. Okay. So, um, I'll tell you a little bit about it. I mean, 14 hands wines, um, were inspired by the unbridled spirit of the wild horses that once freely roamed eastern Washington. Measuring just 14 hands, 
tall, a hand equivalent to the width of one palms, these tenacious little horses would travel down from the hills every day to drink from the mighty Columbia River and graze along the riverbank, then retreat back to the cool of the night. So anyway, the reason why I'm giving you this wonderful description from the website is because <laughs> 14 Hands Winery is in that same area where those wild horses used to be. Oh, that's and, a great story, isn't it? What a cool um, yeah. way to describe uh, your location and your wine. Yeah, I'm thinking they must be really, like, really short horses, though, because, you know, when I put 14, I guess my hands aren't very big, but 14 hands <laughs> is not that tall. I don't know. I think horses are usually taller than that. So They are. I, I do think they still use that measurement, you know, hands height. And I do think I, 14 I, hands is is petite. I, I say this with very little knowledge of horses in that whole world. I mean, I, I'm yeah. embarrassed to even say how little I know about it. But um, <laughs> I, am, I am delighted that we picked a wine from Washington. I um, My husband and I have long loved the uh, vineyards out in Washington State. It, they are wonderful wines. And mm-hmm. um, this is the first one we've had from the Columbia Valley. So I'm really glad about that. Oh, good. So did you go to some wineries when you were there? You know, we did not. We just started drinking a lot of the local wines and uh-huh. um, had always promised ourselves the next trip we would actually visit the vineyards. And that's still on the bucket list. Okay, so um, this wine, um, just to give a little bit of a tasting description, is a rich, juicy red that features aromas of dark cherry, black currant, coffee, and subtle hints of spice. What do you think? <laughs> do you get that? Well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take another sip and just make sure I can get it because I don't want to prematurely tell you. So let me have another yes. drink. Yes, okay. I think I, I mean, you know, I don't know. Maybe I taste, I don't know that I taste coffee, really, but, I but I, I'm not ju- really sure what black currants taste like. I you don't know, even know what black currants are. <laughs> I think currants are like raisins, aren't they? Kind okay, of like raisins? they're like, but uh, yeah, or I uh, see, I always thought like prunes. My mother-in-law well, prunes has, are big raisins. I don't know. My mother-in-law has cooked with like puts currants and pies and things. And it's, so I think of it as like a raisin, but, um, Mm -hmm. I love the description of a rich, juicy red. I mean, I'm not sure how to, but it is a lovely wine. That's what vampires say, right? Yeah, I know. It sounds a little bit, wow. But it is a nice sipping wine, isn't it? Yes. Yes. It's also has flavors complemented by a touch of spicy oak and emphasized by refined tannins. Which I thought tannins were a color, but I guess it's also a taste. Maybe it's like the dryness of the wine. That would be something to look up for the next podcast. It I would. Think. And you know what? <laughs> I, I recall another wine mentioning the tannins. I believe when we were talking to uh, T. Jefferson Parker, the wine we had, um, that Bordeaux, they mentioned oh, tannins as well. Okay. Yeah. So that was so we'll also look into that. dryish kind of wine. Yeah. Continuing mm. our ed- education here. So we should also quickly talk about the label. It is such a beautiful bottle of wine. I oh, mean, I yes. think it would make a lovely gift. Yes, and the artist is um, Cynthia Sampson. She's an award-winning representational colorist, colorist hmm. <laughs> who specializes in brightly colored pastel and acrylic animal paintings. But it's really, really pretty. I mean, it's got the horses, but they're, you know, vibrant colors. Yeah, it's beautiful. And, 
Yeah, I'm, stands I'm out. I'm curious if the representational colorist is a, is a style of painting. I have no idea. So another piece of research for us, Christine. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I know. Maybe we should just go to the Columbia Valley and mm-hmm. meet this. Do uh, you think she's there all the time? Probably Well, not. I hope so. I hope there's a gallery right <laughs> next to the vineyard. Like, I'm imagining That's true. this. <laughs> yes. We'll need to find no out idea. for sure. <laughs> okay, so what was your price point on the wine down there in Florida? So um, this wine costs only $10. Well, $10.20 at my Publix. Well, that's perfect. That is uh, yes. right in our budget and very similar How was to the it price there? point here. Yeah, it, it literally right, just right around the same point. I think it was nine ninety nine. So wow. you just said your Publix again. This is funny. <laughs> Because when I was at Christy's house talking to her and her son, they live not many miles away from each other, right? I mean, just a handful right. of miles. And you yeah. both were discussing your Publix. And I think this must be a thing because you don't everybody the has, Publix. yes, everybody has their, their favorite Publix. I mean, because <laughs> yeah. there's actually three that I can go to from my house. What, That's how, how many decide? we have down here. Do you pick up a new one or what? Well, you know, I might have my favorite one to shop in when I'm like doing big shopping. And then there's the one that, you know, maybe has the least amount of traffic and I can get to the quickest. And then there's the one that actually has a parking garage. So if it's raining, it's perfect. (laughs) So that's very nice, actually. (laughs) I know. I know. So I have, you know, a few to choose from and um, it varies. But, you know, you always have like your favorite layout or... Um, the the different publixes have different amount of items, you know, um, I guess they're limited by size or what the people in the neighborhood like. So some of them have like, you know, you're like, okay, I got to go there for all those yummy cheeses or whatever, you know? Yeah, I do. I've, I've been to a Publix a couple of times, um, on trips and they are a very nice grocery store. I will say. I'm, well, I'm yeah. a little envious. You guys have nice yes. grocery stores down there. <laughs> well, so what do you have down there, up there? <laughs> that sounds silly. <laughs> we, okay, so remember, we're in a very small town. It's only about, mm-hmm. I think it's 22, maybe it might be 24,000 people now. We're really getting up there. Um, wow. And, and plus the university is 10 to 12,000, I would guess. Um, okay. But we have one main grocery store in town only, um, which is Only one? Only one. <laughs> Honestly, we could. Oh my gosh! How do you I ever, know. you know? It's a lovely <laughs> grocery store, though. I will say, it's called. It, it better be. Yeah, it does. Um, but we also have a like a super Walmart in town that has a full grocery store in it. So really, okay. we do have two places to get groceries. But I, right. I'm very partial to Walmart. To oh, sorry, not Walmart to Hy-Vee. Um, mm-hmm. Just it's a really nice grocery store, and it is closer to my house. Um, uh huh. But um, we don't have nearly the options that you do <laughs> for going to a Publix here and a Publix there. We don't we don't quite have that. So yeah, <laughs> I that's will say, too bad. Our, yeah, it is too bad. But I will say um, very briefly, our our high V rearranged the entire contents of the store. I mean, even what things were in the same aisles has changed. It. Really, uh-huh. it was a really big crisis for some shoppers. Did they have to like myself. close the store while they did that? Because that would be terrifying if that's the only store in town. It, you know, they did not close it. They had kind of to orchestrate quite a ballet um, during that time. It was pretty messy. But I mean, even 
and this was months ago, and people still, you'll walk around, and they're like, I don't even know where this is. I mean, they're just, you know, habits die hard, and um, I was one of those. I had to, I had to make a new map of the store. I actually took some time one day. That's, that's how sad oh my it gosh. is for me. You I made know, a map? I know. Well, like I like what? Like a was. Harry Potter map? Or... <laughs> <laughs> like the magic maps that things disappear yeah. as you get them? That'd be kind of awesome. It's like, I know exactly where my kids are in this store. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be great. we got to work on that. No, 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 no. But it is a, it's a lovely store, but we don't have nearly the options that you do. So I'm a little yeah. envious of that. Oh, well. But yes. like, at least you got nice snow up there. So you <laughs> We do, but it's melting. Snow. It's melting and it's beautiful out and unfortunately oh, there's a lot good. of flooding around and I, I oh. so it's it's uh, one yeah, bad situation so to a next. No, it's not. But we'll get through. Well, stay safe. Make sure you have your wine cabinet stocked and uh that oh, this is how bad it got. Our mm-hmm. <laughs> our one liquor store flooded. Mm-hmm. No, it oh, no. they had to close <laughs> for many days. And I thought, what a crisis to have a Natural disaster and the liquor store closed. Oh, that's so sad. I wow. Think it just so I didn't realize it's... how bad it was right there. I mean, I yeah. knew Nebraska, but wow. Yeah, it's wow. we are not nearly as bad here as some parts of Nebraska, but it's supposed to like. Um, there's all kinds of warnings for next week, so. Oh wow. Be thankful for good weather when you have it. I guess is the answer. So on that note, I'm going to take another sip of this lovely 14 hands Cabernet. Me too. It's a very nice drinking wine, I will say. Yes. And All um, right. On that, should we get to listening to our Corks and Conversation with Charles Todd? Absolutely. Let's get started. All right. Everybody enjoy listening. Well, welcome to the Game of Books podcast, Corks and Conversation version. We're here at SleuthFest 2019, the premier mystery writers conference in South Florida, and so excited to talk to some of the great authors holding workshops here for both new and seasoned mystery writers. Indeed, and we are so pleased to be sitting here today with Charles Todd, a faculty author here at SleuthFest this year. Many of our listeners certainly know Charles's work, but if not, Charles writes as a team with Caroline Todd, his mother. The prolific and award-winning duo write two series set in post-World War I England. They just published the 21st in the Ian Rutledge series, The Black Ascot is the title. Right there on the table. (laughs) They also write The Best Crawford Mysteries, and the 11th in that series comes out in September. Are you tired hearing this? No. And the the title of uh, the upcoming Best Crawford release is a cruel deception so by my count that's 32 novels and i have to add in addition to writing and a business background i understand you also have a culinary arts degree yes after my uh bachelor's degree i went to the culinary institute of america and got my culinary arts degree i worked in uh, contract service management for 20 some years before i started writing books instead Wow, that's really an interesting background. <laughs> I know, I know. Well, we're happy you're here. <laughs> so Pleasure happy. to be here. It's yes. always good to be at Sleuth Fest. It's sort of an old home week for all of us. And the new people who uh, we really go out of our way to make them feel welcome. And 
they come back year after year. So I'm Just an like example. Us. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> new friends that become old friends. That's right. Yeah, I so came that. last year from South Thank Dakota you. for the first time, and I'm back oh, again. And, and that's where we met. Was yeah. here, so that's how we started yeah. doing this together. Yeah, indeed. I met my fiance here. Oh, Did you really? Wow. That's great. Yeah. Well, <laughs> Sleuth Fest brings people yeah, together in all yeah, kinds of ways. <laughs> <laughs> that's wonderful. Okay. Well, okay, so I'm going to get started because we are uh, in between. Charles has a very quick schedule. He's going to be giving a presentation here shortly. So here's the question I have. So Ian Rutledge, your first in that series, came out in 1996, I believe. Yes. And I'm curious about the initial conversation that you had with your co-author that sparked this idea. Well, Carolyn and I share a love of England and a love of history, uh, going back to the storytelling tradition of her Southern family, and uh, especially my grandfather. And he read to her growing up, and she read to me growing up. So I grew up on things like Treasure Island and Ivanhoe and Kidnapped and all the, mm-hmm. all the really great books of the, of the past, and English, England as well, especially King Arthur and those types oh, of stories. Yes. So uh, we were both always very fond of the place and had traveled there before. But our, our love of history extends to, we should have a bumper sticker that says, warning, I break for brown signs. You know, the brown and white signs. <laughs> brown and white signs, yeah. Uh, I was working in Charlotte, North Carolina at the time, and my parents came down to visit. And nearby Charlotte is uh, Kings Mountain Battlefield, which was a revolutionary war battlefield. And we went uh, toward it, spent the day there. But there's a mystery there about a uh, British officer who was supposed to be hundreds of miles away, was not even supposed to be there. Uh, They're still not sure if he was killed by the revolutionary soldiers or his own troops. Anyway, uh, we were driving back and Caroline said to me, you know, we should try to write a mystery sometime because we have always loved Mm -hmm. those golden age mysteries, Whimsy and uh, Hercule Poirot and Sherlock Holmes really predates it, but it's in the same milieu, if you want. (laughs) And uh, at the time, I just blew her off. I, you know, (laughs) it's the kind of thing, yeah, sure, mom. (laughs) Um, But my job changed and uh, I became an operations analyst for regional headquarters. So I was traveling a lot, going places where people weren't really happy to see me show up. (laughs) That's not fun. I was a corporate troubleshooter. Yeah. Yeah. So I had time on my hands. They just started having these new things. You wouldn't recognize it if I showed it to you. (laughs) They called them a laptop computer. (laughs) I was going to say, the size of your trunk, I imagine. (laughs) Exactly. You know, you you could plug it into your phone line and it would squawk a little bit. Oh, yeah. You know. so I contacted Caroline and asked her if she was serious about it, and she said yes. And so we, we started writing uh, Test of Wills. Primarily, you know, I always tell people if you think, if your goal is to write the great American novel, don't, mm-hmm. because it, it's really not going to happen. If you think you're going to get rich and famous, don't. <laughs> <laughs> don't quit your day you job, know, right? <laughs> there, there are a lot of people out there. But we finished the book, had a good time working on it together and had started on the second in the series wings of fire and uh 
rather than go to a critique group or something, we thought, well, there was an editor at St. Martin's Press named Ruth Cavan, who uh, still took unsolicited manuscripts. Uh, I mean, we didn't have an agent or anything. Yeah. But our goal was send it off to somebody like that. If they read it, they might say, you know, as you said, don't quit your day job. <laughs> you know, or you, you're going in the right direction on this and that. Just some basic feedback as to how we were doing. We didn't hear anything for three months. Oh my. And we pretty much gone on because it was something we enjoyed doing. We just kept doing it. And uh, all of a sudden, out of the blue, Ruth calls up and says, Is it for sale? And, you know, at that point, you'd sell it for a penny. Right. The answer is <laughs> obviously no. Of course, yes. <laughs> yeah. uh, and uh, Tesla Wells came out and. Uh, Ruth called me about a week after it came out and wanted to make it a two-book deal. And then she called me back 20 minutes later and wanted to make it a three-book oh deal. Oh, my gosh. That's so it wonderful. Just kind of went... What happened in those 20 minutes, I wonder? <laughs> well, actually, what happened was St. Martin's had sold a three-book deal to Headline Press in England for oh. the first three Charles Todd books based on Tess Wells. And somebody at St. Martin's suddenly realized, yeah, but we don't have a contract with <laughs> we the need author. To go for... back into the first part that we were supposed to have done. <laughs> yeah. Well, oh, that's wow. that's a fantastic story that that's how it kind of just started. Yes. I, I love that. Okay, so this yeah. is the time where we do a, a funny little transition. We like to call this our what? Craft our, our craft question. question. <laughs> our craft is empty today except for questions. Oh, I'll do it this way. <laughs> yeah. Here you go. I'm going to put them out. You pick one. Sure. Okay. Kathy, you Oh, okay. Good thing I put my glasses back on. Okay. Oh, this is... Okay. We do talk about food a lot. Good. Yes, because it's one of the enjoyable things in life. Okay, so if someone told you you had to gain 10 pounds, you had to, what would you eat to gain the weight? Yes. Oh, pecan pie. That was a good... That would work because it's so high in calories and it would be delicious. The highest caloric... Dessert. That's awesome. I, you know, I take it a step further and I put chocolate in my pecan pie. <laughs> of course you do. Chocolate pecan pie is even better with yes. vanilla ice cream. Of oh course. yes, Obviously. of course, of course, my favorite. All right. Well, that was great. That was a good answer. Okay, so now we'll move back to some more serious questions. Um, since uh, 2019, when um, first the best Crawford mystery was published, it looks like you've been publishing like two books a year. We had, we've actually, one year we did three books. Because, okay. <laughs> uh, in addition to the uh, 32 books in the series, we've done two standalone novels, uh, The Murder Stone and The Walnut Tree. And we've done an anthology of short stories called Tales. And we've published 26 short stories. Oh, my goodness. With, uh, we like short stories. They're yeah. a lot of fun. Uh, we get to go back in time to, like, when Hamish uh, Rutledge's corporal was still alive. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they've been publishing everything from uh, Alfred Hitchcock magazine to The Strand to several anthologies, MWA anthologies, several in England. Wow. And... Uh, it's a fun way to take a break 
and between uh, Harper I mean, Collins also breaks? uses it as a, a marketing thing where yeah. if you pre-register your, your book sale you get a free original short story so oh, okay. but we we have a lot of fun doing this so in total we're at 35 books and 26 short oh, stories so pick how, up the pace, do you, obviously. how do you keep this how do you manage all this and, and plus come talk to us <laughs> Well, if you didn't enjoy it, yeah, it, you wouldn't be able to do it. And the main thing is, is that's why both Caroline and I, she's at a, an event this week, at two events this weekend up in Pennsylvania oh, and wow. in Delaware. Uh, so at least we can divide and conquer. But getting out and getting to talk to the readers, getting that feedback, because when you're when you're sitting in that little room writing that book and you've got this idea in your head, the question is, is how much of it actually transferred to the reader? Your editor's looking at it from a marketing point of view, sales, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. But that feedback that you get from the readers and that support, that's, that's what keeps you going. Right, right. I mean, you've got a lot of supporters. <laughs> There's some really There's, wonderful people out there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we just got back from Boston, Cleveland, and Fort Knox. We got to oh my goodness. go wow. talk at the base library at Fort Knox. Wow. That was that was quite a exciting opportunity. Super people. Yeah. And, uh, All with the same passion, you know, for history. That's really got to be yes, a they cool do. Place. Yeah. yeah it's, Excellent. They just recently celebrated the 100th anniversary of the founding of Fort Knox. Wow. The Bullion Depository was built in the 30s, but the uh -huh. fort itself was started in uh, 1918. Right. Oh, that's... Which is right up our alley. Yeah, right? I know. That's perfect. So know. I'm curious, do you have a set pattern with all these books you've been doing? Do you guys have a set pattern that how you go back and forth with the writing? You must. Well... Do you live near each other? No. Oh, okay. Of course not. She, she lives in Delaware. <laughs> I live here. Yeah. Um, but it's always been that way. Mm -hmm. uh, at least once a year, we go to England for about a month. Oh, neat. Uh, doing research, going to the places that we're going to write about, mm -hmm. getting to know the people and the atmosphere and the culture of right. the area that we're going to. All the way down to we'll spend a lot of times in cemeteries finding out what what were the local names at that time what kind mm -hmm. of first names were they using for their children who were living in the time period that we're writing reading newspapers letters right. you know that thing we used to do with stamps <laughs> yes. um, and our sound editor doesn't know about those things. <laughs> <laughs> but it's really by going there and immersing yourself in in the place and then developing an idea. For example, in uh, the Black Ascot, the, we found this picture of the Ascot race. Most people are familiar with that from uh, Pygmalion or My Fair Lady, mm -hmm. the big Ascot scene with everybody all dressed up and everything. <laughs> But we found this picture from 1910 where all the people in the stands were all wearing black. And 
the Ascot races that year were called the Black Ascot. And it's because Victoria's son, Edward VII, had died right before Ascot. And they were going to cancel the Ascot races. But they decided to hold it anyway because he thoroughly loved horses and horse racing and all that. You know, the Queen still has horses in the race. So uh, they went ahead, but because it was a period of royal mourning, everybody showed up in black, still with the ostrich feathers and the <laughs> lace and the f wonderful costumes and everything. And the more we looked, the more pictures we found. And we said, well, this is great, but Rutledge is working in Tessa Will starts in 1919. Uh, we're now up to 1921. So, yeah, how, how are we ever going to use this? And we came up on the idea. We hadn't done a cold case. I know. It's I so like cool, isn't it? So, we said, here's an opportunity to take a 10-year-old case. We came up with the idea of the Black Ascot murder, where a gentleman was accused of uh, vandalizing one of the cars that belonged to the husband of his ex-lover and they had a terrible accident she was killed and he was brought up at the inquest they pressed charges but he skipped the country because he was a man of means he skipped the country before they were able to take him into custody and so scotland yard looked kind of bad yeah. and uh it was they didn't have cameras everywhere the foundation no, of your cold case so um, yeah we we said here's a perfect cold case so we did a setup where Rutledge comes across some information that uh, Alan Barrington is possibly back in England and they put him back on the case. So this yeah. makes me curious about the question you're going to ask him next our kind of signature question because I know he has oh, to get oh, to his yes. class. Okay. We're fine. Yeah. Um, yeah so we we always ask um, all our authors when we when we uh, chat with them. Is this like James Lipton does? <laughs> yeah, but, yes. But yes. we're not going to ask you your favorite swear word, though. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but this you is, can share um, it if you want, but... <laughs> because we, we, we have a... We, our listeners, we call them mysterious foodies, because they like mystery and they like food. <laughs> so, um, our mysterious foodies out there um, want to know, which of your characters would you like to share a meal with, and what would it be? Uh... Be Melinda Crawford, and it would be Indian food, of course. Indian mm. food. That sounds good to me. <laughs> that was an easy answer for I you. Know, you I must know. be a fan of Indian food, I'm guessing. <laughs> or both. Or Melinda. To some degree, but yeah. definitely. Great. It'd be, she, yeah. She's a very fascinating character with a lot of rich history. And Ooh, great. She is the one of the connections between Rutledge and Best, even mm -hmm. though they're in different time slots, because Best started out right in the beginning of World War One, whereas the Rutledge series starts immediately after World War One. Well, thank you. Yeah, very much. So you mentioned your, your fans who are lovely. They are. So how is, if somebody wants to get more information, what's the best way, your website or Facebook, what's your best way to connect with people? Yes. Yes, both. Uh, there's uh, charlestodd.com. Okay. And to keep it all straight, HarperCollins did a really neat thing. They put a uh, link to a map 
the interactive map. Got the interactive map. You yes. could hover over it and see where. I was uh, on that yesterday, actually. Well, it's kind of really interesting. <laughs> uh, and we're on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram. And we do actually try to, every time somebody sends us an email or a comment, they, they get an answer. Wow. That's a commitment. Well, I mean, considering the size of. But for some, when somebody takes the time to right. write to us, we always want to wow. acknowledge that. And that's one of the reasons everyone loves yeah. hearing but, back. You know, you get to know people that way. We've got fans that I have one fan in particular that every time she comes across a, a article or a book or something on World War One, I'm getting another package in the mail. Wow! Wow! You know, that's so really nice. You, that is you, so. You really get. I've never met her a day in my life but uh we what a neat connection chatting back and forth for quite some time that is really neat it is that is really neat okay okay so if you like listening then please be sure to subscribe to us at game of books so you can download our upcoming corks and conversation with more published authors just like charles todd as well as our regular game of books episodes where you can get your food wine and mystery tips every friday morning Yes, and this is Christy and Kathy saying thanks for listening. Bye, Bye everybody. everybody.